Welcome back in episode 12 of the 4th Down Football Show. I'm your host, Matt. I'm going to be joined just a minute here by Mello talking about the college football weekend. It was my Penn State and the Lions. Of course, Alabama with a big win. Georgia with a big win. Uh, Utah losing to Washington. And Mello wants to talk about uh, USC, so we'll get that in there as well. Um, then, of course, NFL. Lots of close games this weekend. So Kyle and I wanted to cover the Patriots, their tough loss uh, in Germany to the Colts. And then, of course, wanted to cover the Bengals, losing to the Texans. Texans impressive so far this season. Um, CJ Stroud, looking great. MVP candidate, maybe. Um, the Vikings, big win. They've been on a roll. Five straight wins. Going to dive into them, get into all of that. Um, so, yeah, let's jump right into the college football talk with Melo. Right, college football with mellow and disappointing uh, college football weekend for me, but we'll get to that in a second. Of course, mellow, how are you doing? Just happy to be here, Matt. <laughs> Thank you for having me on again. I do it for this. I do it for this channel. I do it for the people. Thank you, Matt, for having me on again. I appreciate it, man. This is for you. That was the one good thing that came came out of that game, in my opinion. Other than Penn State's offensive coordinator getting fired, but we'll get to that <laughs> in, in a minute here. Um, yeah, yeah, embarrassing loss, but that's all right. Um, what else did we want to cover, though? Um, USC. I mean, like I said, it's like the the horse is already dead, and it's I've already buried it ten feet under the ground, but. They kept it somewhat close against Oregon, even though it really wasn't that close. Defense is still an issue, even though Alex Grinch is gone, which, I mean, it wasn't going to get fixed in a week. Jesus Christ, let's relax a little bit. But UCLA had a bad loss. I was happy about that. And now both these teams are stumbling into each other this weekend. And whoever does, whoever has the ball at the end of the game is probably going to win the game. And I don't know who that's going to be, and it scares me. And... Utah, Washington, I guess. Stay out west, and I think you wanted to talk about Alabama a little bit Alabama, too. Alabama, yep, Alabama, and maybe a little uh, Georgia too. There, nice little win over Ole Miss. So, yeah, we'll get into all that. But of course, we got to start off with the uh, my Penn State and Indy lines. Um, you just had course. another three now. Yeah, yeah, they just did. Just right now, just while we were watching, or just while we were talking. Uh, Penn State did nothing on offense. Um, I, I I can't say I expect much from them anymore, but I, I've really kind of had my hopes up for this game. You know, a whole bunch of turmoil in uh, for Michigan there with Harbaugh and the cheating scandal and Penn State building momentum. We didn't lose to Ohio State that bad. It was our only loss of the season. We crushed Maryland. And a game that, I mean, sure, Maryland's not ranked, but, like, they're not a a joke of a program. So, I was feeling not too bad, and, well, what do you know? Penn State's offense sucks, and Drew Aller can't play in any big games, and that seems to be my main takeaways for the most part. Um, I mentioned it earlier. uh, Fired our offensive coordinator. I'm not sure how much that's worth. It's worth something at least, uh, but I think a lot of the a lot of the blame does fall on James Franklin. Some though too, because just as a head coach in these big games, he's got a terrible record. I don't think he's won a against a top ten opponent in his whole uh, career there at Penn State. So of course that features mostly Michigan and Ohio State as those opponents, but. Um, haven't won any of those games recently either, really. And just disappointing offensive performance. Drew Aller did not play good, and I think there's a little stigma right there for him that he can't play in big games as of right now because he hasn't been able to so far. So I think that's a that's a valid stigma. Um, this whole Penn State team seems to just forget how to play football when they see that little number up there next to the team logo. Uh, saying where they're ranked in in the AP poll, whatever it is, the college football playoff uh, ranking, whatever it is, they seem to say, ah, actually, no, I, I, I don't think we're going to do good on offense today. 
I don't think so. We we play. We don't play to our opponent. We play worse than our opponent if they're good. And I mean, we don't have any issue rolling the bad teams, but that's not nothing new. We we knew that going into the year, but uh, just yeah, very very disappointing game. Our offense sucks. That's all I can say at this point. Uh, play calling's bad and offensive designs for getting our weapons open is bad. Use of our weapons is bad. Believe it or not, you can use a running back more than just to hand it off right up the gut every time. Did you know that, Mello? Because you can. <laughs> Penn State didn't know that. So, um, yeah. What do, what do you got on the game from an outsider's perspective? USC and Penn State has two different problems that we would both like to get fixed. You have an offensive problem, and we have a defensive problem. And a couple USC guys, people that I follow on Twitter over the weekend, we obviously we were all watching that game because it was one of the best games of the slate that's at this past Saturday. So, you know, we're interested and intrigued. Um, a lot of USC fans were making the point, uh, would you rather have a great offense that can't stop anybody on defense, or would you rather have a great defense that can't score any points on offense? I'll I'll take I I'll will take, take what you got. I'll take my problem. That was the worst thing about it is it's not like Michigan played great either. They it's JJ McCarthy was not anything special. And you in the in these type of games you just want a chance. You just want to be in the game and Penn State was in the game for the first half. I think they were only down 3 going into halftime. Yeah. And I think that was their only touchdown they scored. But um I just I don't know how Penn State can do this every year. And at one point is the clock maybe it's already when is the clock ticking on James Franklin? Because when he picked up this program when he took over this program, it was in a different spot. I'm not gonna go into why we all know why. I'm not gonna do that. Um <laughs> The honeymoon is over. You know, it's like when he took over this program, you know, took us to the Rose Bowl game. You know, yeah, we lost, but hey, we were in the game. This is, everybody was probably thinking, you know what? This is the start of something. Penn State's back. Hasn't been much since then. Losing to Ohio State every year and losing to Michigan every year. At one point, and I know going 10-2 and two every year, it's a great season for a lot of other programs out there. It is. It is. But at one point, it's like, hey, dude, like, it's, something's not, it, something's not getting, it's not getting it done. In a in a conference like this, when really your only two opponents every year are Ohio State and Michigan, and you lose them both, something's got to change. I, I, that's just me as an outsider. But at what point do you start looking at the head coach and say, hey, you know what's going on? Definitely. Uh, the only problem is we signed him to a giant contract not that long ago, just a couple of years back. So I don't, I don't see Penn State eating the money like uh, Texas A&M did for Jimbo Fisher. Um, but you never know. Must be nice. Could be the case. Yeah. Uh, I like you said about us having you know mismatched problems here. Uh, I think like when you consider the weapons that Penn State has had on offense in the past couple of years and how many of them you see in the NFL. Yeah, you got Saquon Barkley and you got Miles Sanders. Name me another really good uh, offensive player from Penn State. You got a couple tight ends. You got Fryermuth is okay for Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike Kosicki now in New England. Pretty good. Other than that, wide receivers for Penn State, I mean, the guys that we think are pretty good I mean they don't seem to do much in the NFL not that 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 doesn't help us at college I understand that but like it just feels like I mean we're great at recruiting defense we're, we got the linebackers down that's for sure uh, no issue with that um, but recruiting some of these top tier offensive weapons seems to be a bit of a issue for us and then when we have some decent guys Scheming them up. I mean, call some deep shots. 
get get creative on offense a little bit, please. I mean, would it hurt you that much? And maybe firing Jurkic, our uh, offensive coordinator, maybe getting some fresh minds in there, whatever it is. I mean, a lot of times you see the quarterback's coach get promoted to offensive coordinator for the remainder of the season. Maybe we'll see an outside hiring this offseason. Wouldn't surprise me. It would be nice. Uh, I don't know who we're going to poach, but I'll take anybody get some fresh names in here. Um, so I'm just kind of hoping that getting a new offensive coordinator in here can help solve some of those offensive problems. Yeah. And on my side, I hope we get a good defensive coordinator <laughs> that can help solve the things, solve these things, solve the things that USC has their issues. But I mean, again, it's just, I don't know how Penn state could do this every year. Go ten and two, and your two losses are to the only two games that really matter on the schedule. But yeah, <laughs> you were in the game for two and a half quarters. There's no moral victories here. I'm not saying it's something to be proud of, but Michigan was not didn't play that all that great on Saturday either. This is a no. winnable game. It was, but Penn State's defense, as much as we want to hype them up and say they're a really good defense, which for the most part they're pretty good, but Michigan, I don't think they even threw a pass in the second half hardly, if at all. you got to be able to stop the run. I mean, I get Blake Corum is a great running back, but you got to be able to stop the run game a little bit at least. I mean force them to throw a ball once in a while but not able to do it so i i want to put a lot of blame on the offense but believe it or not the defense does take some of the blame for this loss too just you got to be able to stop the run game a little bit in the second half there because that's where ground and pound you just run down that clock in the second half uh doesn't give you any time to work with your offense anyway so yeah i i disappointed all around, all around. But uh, you got anything else in this game? Or are we we good to move on? Because I'm good to move on. That Michigan game couldn't have come at a worse time. When they just when the Big Ten just suspended Jim Harbaugh the night before the game. Coaches, players are all pissed off and they're riled up. If there was any more motiv- motivation to go out there and win a football game. It was looking at Penn State. Of course, Penn State was on the schedule the next day, literally the next morning. So it's like I I feel for Penn State because it's like, damn. Like, you know, Michigan was playing. It it it, it was, Michigan was playing for a lot more than just beating their Big Ten rival and gaining another win and staying undefeated. They were playing for a lot more. It's one thing to play with the Wolverine. It's another thing to play play around with the pissed off Wolverine, and that's what uh, Penn State had to do on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. I just came up with that on the fly. I like that. Um, you wanted you wanted to stay in the well, not stay in the Pac-12. You're in the Pac-12 area, though. Um, we'll be there with you, though, next year. That's right. That's right. Um, one more game of this crap, and then we're out of here. <laughs> Let's hear it. A little bit about uh, USC Oregon. I had no expectations coming into the game. So, listen, after they lost to Washington, the writing was on the wall that this season was over and this nothing's going to happen here. So it was just for me, it was just, just stay in the game. Just stay in it. Give yourself a chance. Now, who knows if USC was in the game in the fourth quarter and they lose by three or four points, I probably would be in here devastated because it's like, damn, they were able to hang with the fifth best, sixth best team in the country and they didn't finish the deal. But I had no expectations. It was 36 to 27, I think the final score was, but don't let that confuse you. USC scored a garbage time touchdown and then... The game felt a lot. The, the score felt bigger than it actually was. I was. The defense was not going to fix itself in a week. I mentioned that when we first started on here. Um, 
again, too many explosive plays. I think USC had the ball first. They got a, they got like one or two first downs, and then they had to punt it away. And they pinned Oregon back, I think, within their own 15. And then the second play of the game was a 75-yard pass for a touchdown. Mm. It was like just not, not good. And then they gave up another touchdown too. And the defender was, he ran, the Oregon receiver ran right past him. And then the USC on defense was looking the other way, thought he, thinking maybe he was on this side and he was on the other side. And by the time he looked, he was already gone. So just the little stuff like that. Again, not tackling. I think USC missed has tackles. the most missed tackles, I think, in the nation, I think. If not, they're pretty close. Just little stuff like that. And I would have been curious to see had they fired Alex Grinch earlier in this season because – I came on here Monday. Every USC fan was happy, elated that Alex Grinch was out of the building. But I think on Saturday you saw, you know what, maybe it was definitely, he got most of the blame for that. But at what point is it also the players a little bit? Yeah. You know, the scheme, the players not tackling right, you know, not not knowing where they're supposed to be on in their assignment, where they're supposed to be out on the field and who they're supposed to be covering. Because I saw a lot of times there was a lot of USC on defense where they were they really didn't know what they were doing. And they got lucked out because Bo Nix overthrew the tight end or he underthrew the tight the wide receiver or something or or they gave up a little small passing play but you were able to tackle and keep him in front of you. So I saw a lot of USC on defense guessing a lot. Um if Bo Nix hits on maybe one or two deep balls, this is probably worse. But I knew this wasn't going to get fixed in a week, and I just wanted to see USC give a shit because we were questioning whether this team gave cared anymore, especially after they lost to Utah. And USC showed me that they still cared, and I was proud of that. I was happy for that, that they didn't just go in there and lose you know, forty nine to ten or something like that. They 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 cared. They scored some points on offense. They were, you know, they were trying to win the game. They were they were trying their best to be in the game. And with the season that we've had, that's all I can ask for on Saturday. Going into a hostile territory in Eugene, Oregon. When you look at the box score for this game, very impressive from Oregon on offense. I mean, it's one thing to have your quarterback throw for 400 yards, four touchdown passes, no interceptions. But then to have your running back, like Bucky Irving, go for 118 yards and a touchdown too? I mean, that's that's things offensive coordinators dream of right there. I mean, you got both sides of the ball clicking. And listen to this. Two receptions, 147 yards for Troy Franklin, the receiver. <laughs> That's an it's issue. Not good. And for some reason, I doubt that that was both 70 yards in the air. I'm going to guess it was, I, I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong. It could have been like a 20, 30-yard pass, but then a lot after the catch. That's exactly uh, what it was. Yards after exactly. the catch. So a lot of that falls on... Uh, tackling abilities for USC as you mentioned there so I'll, I'll take the Oregon road though I think you got to be feeling pretty good about yourselves I mean sure you could have blown out USC a little bit more in this game but hey you still feel pretty good that loss to Washington is one of the better looking wash or better looking losses this season so far um, and I think you're I mean, you're well on your way to a Pac-12 championship game at this point, especially with Washington beating Utah now. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd feel great about Oregon here going forward. And your chances of making the college football playoff, they're definitely alive. They're, there's a shot, um, especially, especially depending on you to win that Pac-12 championship. And, of course, we'll see the college football playoff rankings coming out here really soon. So we'll see how the committee feels about that. I don't think there'll probably be any movement again. Maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Does Michigan move up to one? 
I don't know if they do. You want to give Michigan more motivation going into Ohio State? You better put them at two. You better yeah. keep them at two. <laughs> I think every Ohio State fan is like, please don't, please, please don't put them at one, or please keep them at two. Yeah. Or I, I, I don't know. I don't think I said that right. I think it's weird because if you put Michigan at one, then Michigan's gonna feel really good about themselves. And but if you keep them at two, or God forbid, you drop them to three or four. <laughs> Michigan's going to come in with a bigger chip on their shoulder into the Ohio yeah. State game. Yep. So we'll, we'll see what the committee thinks. It seems like they're going a lot off of resume here early on. and I mean, yeah, hey, I'm sure that'll work out. They haven't screwed win any of... other teams in the past with resume. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. They definitely have. Uh, um, I want to talk a little bit of Alabama. Uh, uh Quick moment to appreciate Washington's win over Utah. Uh, there was a good, there was a good couple minutes in that game where I thought Utah was going to win it. I was like, "Hey, their defense is able to stop uh, Michael Penix and this offense," but wasn't the case. Uh, and Washington wins by a touchdown. Maybe wasn't that close, but uh, yeah, Washington still feel pretty good about where you're at. Um, I want to talk about the Crimson Tide, though. I got a chance to watch the majority of their beatdown on Kentucky. And granted, Kentucky, middle-of-the-road program, not a not a great program, but they're not a joke of a school at all. So Jalen Milrow kind of dominated this game. I mean... Three passing touchdowns, and I think he had a rushing touchdown, too. Am I missing something? No. Three rushing touchdowns. Jeez, I was selling him short. Six total touchdowns in that game. I put the question on our story, is Alabama underrated? Mello, do you think so? I think they are, believe it or not. I think we put too much stock into that loss to Texas earlier in the year, which was like I think in week three or week two. I think they're underrated a little bit. And maybe for Alabama that's a good thing. Because in previous years, you know, if they didn't make the college football playoff or the expectations were so high that even if they didn't make the national championship game, it was a disappointing season. And I don't, and I think they've missed the playoffs the last two years, so the expectations have come down a little bit. Georgia's been on their run, you know. You had an LSU team get in there and win a national championship. Clemson's done their thing. I think it was better for Alabama to be a little underrated this year. And believe it or not, it looks like that Texas loss was probably a good thing because everybody forgot about Alabama for the most part. You still have, you know, Paul Feibaum and everybody who still thinks that. They're going to, you know, that still talks about Alabama for five hours a day. Um, they've got a path to get another playoff, believe it or not. Definitely. As a one-loss team. If they went out and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, they should be the fourth best team. In my eyes, they should be. So, yes, to answer your question, they are underrated. I think there's a chance if they win out the rest of the regular season – lose the uh, SEC championship. Now, this would take a real miracle here. But if they lose the SEC championship and uh, Pac-12 champions got to be... Pac-12 champions got to have another loss, I'd say. And... I mean that's asking a lot of either Washington or Oregon to lose. But you need Florida State to lose too, I think. Yes, or Florida State. Yeah, um, which doesn't seem likely to happen because they got a nice little easy schedule the rest of the season, and then the ACC championship, which they'll play like Louisville probably. Louisville. Yep. Yeah. So I think I think they're underrated, and there's a shot, there's a chance that they can make the playoff. Um, but the teams that 
Texas, what, they're ranked ahead of them because they, they did beat them head-to-head. I mean, you got to give them that. But still. That's some ugly wins. I think you replay that game right now, I think Alabama wins. And maybe by, like, 10 at this point. I don't feel bad about saying that. They found their groove with Milrow. And I know there, it was after the Texas game they benched him. And it was Ty Simpson. It was Tyler Buckner for that game. And it was like, nope, this doesn't work. We're going back to Jalen Milrow again. It was like, yeah, we messed around and found out that, you know, we shouldn't have should have benched him after all, probably. But uh, I think I think Alabama would beat an Oregon team right now. I think their defense is that yeah. good. They're able to they're going to be able to shut down uh, Oregon's pass game a little bit. Kool Aid McKinstry on the back end there, um, shutting down those receivers in Oregon and. I think Alabama's underrated. I and I'm not a I'm not a big Alabama hater guy. Like I know there's a lot of people who hate Alabama for just their dominance. I'm with nah, you. I don't hate them for it, but uh, I'm not a fanboy or anything either. I just think right now they're a little underrated compared to some of the other teams rated above them right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's my case. That's my thoughts on Alabama. Um, Anything else you want to talk about here, want to cover? Just since we're on the topic of college football playoff, would you agree that now it sucks because these two teams play each other in next weekend? But would you agree that Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State is in no matter what? I think so at this point. I, I think so. Unless So you, you have essentially four you have five teams playing for one spot right now. Maybe yeah. two. Let's see how the Michigan Ohio State game turns out. Because if it's a total if it, I I don't know what the committee would do. If it's a beatdown of either side, I don't know how they do that. But if it's a close uh, game, you got to keep whoever if it's a close game, you got to keep that in the top 4. I I think I think so too. If it's a beatdown of if, if Ohio, Ohio State, State beats down Michigan, I don't think Michigan is. I think get in. Done. I agree, because Michigan's only other significant win is against my Nittany Lions, which at this point are going to fall to like twelve, thirteen, fourteen something, um, and it wasn't a blowout, which doesn't help them. So, but when you look at Ohio State, their resume is a little bit better with the Notre Dame win and the Penn State win at this point. And then, of course, you'd add the Michigan win on there. So, And a Big think, Ten championship. Yes, and a Big Ten championship. So I think in that case, uh, if Ohio State would crush Michigan, I think we'd be looking at Georgia, Ohio State, Pac-12 champion, whoever it would be, Oregon or Washington, and then... Florida State, Alabama. Alabama. Oh. I don't know. Texas. That's tough. Like, an Alabama team whose only loss is Texas and in the SEC championship, or a Florida State team who hasn't really played a lot of people, um, but ACC champions. It's a tough one. Somebody's going to get screwed this year again. Definitely. It's shaping up to be one of those years. Yeah. And I hate and I I hate to be like that, but I think Florida State's going to be the one that's going to get screwed. You think so? I think they're going to get screwed. Hmm. I kind of. I don't disagree with that. If they weren't undefeated, they wouldn't be anywhere near this top ten. I don't think. Mm. No. And they kind of got a little blessed with their schedule, I'd say. Um, now, that LSU win means nothing anymore. Now. Yeah, I. I agree with that because LSU's sort of—I don't want to say they're a fraud, but uh, seven and three in their fifteenth rank. Yeah. Um, I want to pull up Florida State's schedule here real quick. Um, but yeah, it, it'll make some for some good bowl games, though. I'll say that. Yeah. A lot of good teams. Motivation too. When I went to the Rose Bowl game the first year. I was afraid that a lot of Ohio State fans were not going to be interested 
because they probably felt like they got screwed. They should have been the fourth team in when they lost to Michigan. And then they only came out and won the Rose Bowl game against Utah, and they were kind of like, yeah, we should have been that fourth team. And I talked to a lot yeah. of fans after that game in Pasadena. They were like, yeah, we, we should be. We would And I think Michigan ended up losing anyways. It's like we should have went. That should have been us. So, yeah, yeah it's going to create for some great bowl games. Um, Florida State's schedule this season. LSU, obviously, to open the game. Southern Miss, Boston College, a Clemson team that turned out to be a fraud, which it took overtime for Florida State to win that game, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, a Duke team that's currently ranked, not a bad team, Uh, Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, now they got uh, Northern, Northern Alabama, and then Florida to close out the season. They played one good team all season in Duke. And they're middle of the road good. I don't know. Just saying. Just saying. So uh, we'll close out the college football talk with that. Um, thank you, Mel, for hopping on. And we're going to jump over to the NFL side with Kyle now. All right, hopping over to some NFL talk with Kyle. Not a good, not a good Sunday performance by his Giants, but we're gonna, we're not going to talk about that too much. Probably not at all. Just to give him a little break from the misery, and none of us like talking good things about the Cowboys, so yeah. we, we feel like we can skip over that. Um, other than that, I, I, it's hard to detract that. But how are you doing, Kyle? Um, yeah, I, I think that's becoming a trend, uh, you know, I'm just misery by my Giants. But uh, other than that, not doing too bad. Um, yeah, how about you, man? Pretty good. Uh, you can't lose when the Eagles have a bye week. Not that I think <laughs> they would have. They probably would have won and did the tush push about three or four times. So I feel pretty good. Um, Got to shout out my new Jalen Hurts artwork here. Wow. Haven't got a chance to set that up yet, but yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> best twenty dollars I ever spent at TJ Maxx, probably because I've never spent a lot of money there before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good purchase, I'd say. Um, but we do want to talk about the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, all of it over there. They lose to the Colts in Germany. Um, the Texans' surprising little run here continuing. CJ Stroud. I'm not going to say carrying the team, but he's a giant part of it, that's for sure. Um, The Vikings, amazing story with Josh Dobbs. We talked about that last week, but still, the Vikings are surprisingly good this year. Like, uh, you're missing Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and you've been doing good in that stretch. Uh, So surprising there. And we'll see how how long that talk goes. Maybe we'll talk a little 49ers because they dominated the Jaguars. But back to the top, disappointing morning game i mean when you hear football starts at 9 30 on the east coast generally that's something that excites me you get a chance to watch it a little bit before you go to church or before you know you get up and get your morning going whatever everybody's routine looks like on a sunday you didn't miss much if you didn't watch this game um (laughs) i i saw somebody bet like five hundred thousand on the under for this game I mean, and that was a lock. <laughs> the under was like 43 or something, and obviously total being only 16 points um, was a lock. But Patriots, very disappointing. Mac Jones gets benched in the game for Bailey Zappi, and they run some sort of – did you see the uh, fake spike that resulted in the interception? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I mean – I know Bill Belichick's not an offensive guy, but that's just embarrassing that your team puts that out there. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, the amount of question marks that are surrounding this Patriots team is is quite extraordinary to see where they were just, I don't know, even two, three years ago. Even like right after Tom Brady left. I mean, obviously they weren't going to be the team that they were with Tom Brady, but I didn't expect them to be this bad. The fall from grace has been real, and it's tough to watch. I mean, 
any other fan base in football is actually enjoying it. You know, the Patriots are down <laughs> at the bottom once again, and, uh, you know, this isn't something that we're used to in our lifetime. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was a game that really just wasn't interesting. And you can obviously tell that the NFL is pushing uh, these more overseas games, which I'm all for. I think that's a, a really cool thing. It's growing the game. Uh, we talk about that in baseball all the time. You know, it's very important to grow the game. And I think that's exactly what they're doing um, with all these different games in Germany and London. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it was just a very disappointing game. Um, I'm curious to see your opinion on this. Bill Belichick's future in New England. Do you think it's up for uh, up for determination? I think the Patriots are making will be making a mistake if they bring Bill Belichick back next year. I think that his inability to adapt to the way the games changed is just brutal to him. I mean, it's holding him so far back. I don't get me wrong, he's a great defensive mind. Great head coach, seems to be a pretty good motivator, um, and just a football genius for the most part. But we've seen in the past, he doesn't do good at drafting, he doesn't do the offensive side of the football very well, and people were saying, is it 50-50 Tom Brady, uh, Bill Belichick? It might have been more like 60-40, 70-30, and even more than that, who knows, 75-25. Not to take anything away, because those Belichick defenses were stifling back in the day. I mean, you got the McCordy twins, Dante Hightower, all those guys. Um, big Vince Wilfork up front. So there, there was lots of studs on that team. But it's starting to look a lot more like Brady was really the main catalyst there in New England. And I think Robert Kraft has a real decision on his hands, seeing as he's basically the only guy who's above Bill Belichick in that organization, which is crazy because he's basically their GM. He does, like, all the drafting, which is wild. I think the coach should have some hand in the drafting, but the fact that you don't have a GM is kind of wild, or at least a GM who does anything, it seems like, because um, they've, they've had guys in and out a little bit, I believe. Um, but, yeah, I think they're making a mistake if they bring him back. Not to say he doesn't have a spot in the league, but either reduce his role or tell him, hey, you can't be involved so much on... I don't know how much he is involved on offense because he brings in his guys like Billy O, Bill O'Brien, but drafting, you got to cut that out, and you got to bring an offensive mind in there too, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I was curious to see where you stood on that. Um, if he does leave New England, I'm... Without a shadow of a doubt, he will be hitched on elsewhere, or that's even if he wants to. I mean, yeah. um, I think he's been in this league for a very long time. I think the the respect, like, no matter what happens in New England for the rest of his tenure, or even for the rest of his, you know, NFL career, whatever it is, um, the respect that he has gained, and the right, the, the rightful uh, respect, I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for this New England team. And uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, I think it's I think the Mac Jones era in New England is coming to an end. I think it has to. Um, even if they don't feel comfortable moving on from him yet, not really sure why they wouldn't, but I think it has to. I mean, it's, it's bad, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's really bad. It's one thing to have one of these two things, bad or mediocre play at the quarterback position, but then to have a terrible attitude about it and mm -hmm. be just a total baby on the sideline and in press conferences. I mean, I don't like judging players, uh, you know, who they are as people. Cause you don't get, to, we don't get to know them really at all. But like, he's one of the guys that you feel like just not a great guy necessarily. Not that, not in uh, a, a criminal type of way or anything, of course, but like it kind of seems like a scumbag almost. I mean, there's multiple, there's video evidence of him taking cheap shots on players on the field. He's always whining and complaining in the media, and just it feels like 
he was a quarterback who was hyped up by the Alabama Crimson Tide, having my guy Devontae Smith there at receiver and having all these talented guys there that it's like, oh, this guy, oh, he was Alabama's quarterback and they won the national championship or they were in the national championship. He should be a top quarterback. Well, that's not always how that works. Uh, And I feel like he was hyped up a lot and he should have been fringe first round quarterback anyway and they took him so high like 15th or whatever so I think they gotta move on now the question is do you really want to bring in another rookie quarterback to start with Bill Belichick or do you want to just start totally fresh as an organization and bring a new head coach new quarterback new coordinators new everything and start the whole thing over Um, because as we know great quarterback draft coming up Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I, I think New England needs it, man. I mean, I think they've been at the top for so long, and I think they just need to fully commit to the to the rebuild and just, you know, it's their time. You know, they, they've been on top of this league for way too long. It is time for you guys to go through the pain that every other fan base has to go through. Um, it doesn't last forever. We know that. Um, I sure as hell know that. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I mean, yeah, you had the glory years. I think it's just time to start new. That's that's what you got to do in New England, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on in the AFC, the Texans. What a great story. What a great turnaround for them. We were expecting them to be like a one or two, three win, lo- or win team this season. Supposed to be... Well, they didn't have their number one draft pick because they traded it with the Cardinals or, yeah, they traded, I think it was the Cardinals, to get the, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because they got Bryce Young, or not Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and they got Will Anderson. So, yeah, they traded their first-round pick uh, this year for last year. So, we were expecting them to be high in the drafting order, not that they had their pick anyway. They It was the Cardinals. They gave it to the Cardinals. Um, we were expecting that, and... That's not been the case. C.J. Stroud has been, like we said last week, best rookie quarterback this season. And honestly, the Texans are a little bit underrated. I'm not going to say they were like a great team because they're building, okay? They've got they've got the room to improve for sure. Um, but you got to love what you see from C.J. Stroud, from Nico Collins, from all these guys. Noah Brown had a huge breakout game yesterday. So I think... Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about in in Houston there. 100%. And I would not go as – I mean, I'd go as far and say that I think Shroud might be getting some MVP votes. I mean, the amount of of breakout that this kid has done in the last season and working with – I I really don't want to say nothing. Because there is some nice playmakers and some nice uh, building tools that this team has. But if it wasn't for C.J. Shroud, this team would be nowhere close to where they are. I think this kid is the absolute future for the Texans. And, I mean, I'm just going to piggyback off what I said last week. This kid is the real deal. And I think this Texans team has a lot to be excited about. I I really do. Um, And even though they don't have a a first-round pick this year, I think... I, I think they made out pretty damn good for what they're doing this season. I think just a couple pieces away. Um, I, I really think it's just bringing the right guys in. It, it's almost it's almost hard to screw this up if you're the Texans. <laughs> I, would think. Um, I think, like I said, I think they just need to bring a few more guys in to build around Shroud, uh, beef up the defense a little bit. Um, but no, I think they have the foundation in Houston. And they Definitely. just need to keep going. I, I'm not saying that they're going to be winning playoff games here this year, maybe even next year. But I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing, and I think they have a damn good future down there in Houston. Yeah, there's a chance. I mean, they're sitting at five and four in in their division, which is good enough for second in their division behind the Jaguars. And the Jaguars have shown flashes of being good, but then. Like I said in the preamble, flashes of not so great when they get their butts kicked by the 49ers. So there's a chance. There is a good chance that the Texans could win this division. Um, 
I, I don't feel bad saying that, but definitely bright, bright future ahead of them. No doubt about it. Um, of course, didn't even say, but they walked off the Bengals on yesterday with the field goal to win the game. So love that. Love all the walk-off field goals yesterday. That was, that was interesting. I did in my little NFL recap from yesterday, but five walk-off field goals yesterday. It's crazy. That is crazy. Um, any given Sunday, I guess, really. Um, as much as I hate saying cliche, things like that. But moving on to the Vikings. We mentioned Josh Dobbs. Fantastic story last week. But the Vikings team as a whole, what they're doing compared to what they were supposed to be doing, kind of remarkable. I mean, they weren't supposed to be very good coming into this season, not supposed to be competing for the division probably. Their defense is pretty bad. Um, Would you trade Kirk Cousins at the trade deadline with his contract expiring here soon? Um, And then... Justin Jefferson gets injured, and it's like, oh, well, you really might trade Kirk Cousins now. They don't. He gets injured, and it's like, well, this is not good. Um, you bring in Josh Dobbs, and they've been rolling. I mean, sitting 6-4 and four right now and second in their division, which I don't see him catching the Lions personally. I think the Lions are a really good team, especially in the NFC, definitely top three about top four somewhere in there um but just making a lot not with nothing but like with what they have is quite impressive at this point and i think there's a good chance they're a playoff team this year oh yeah for sure um jordan addison is an absolute beast i love watching him and you know, my cousin, he's a, he's a Vikings fan, and uh, on draft night, I texted him and I said to him, I swear to God, if the Vikings take Jordan Addison here right before my Giants have a pick, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. And I've been scouting this guy since college. I absolutely love his game. Um, I, I thought that he was, he was going to be a playmaker no matter where he went. I was really hoping it would be my Giants, but of course, uh, no, the Vikings took him, and he's proving why he... Uh, you know, he got all the, the comps that he did and got, you know, I mean, he, he's been that guy ever since Justin Jefferson got out. The thing is, if I'm not mistaken, the Vikings won their last four games. Five. And, okay, last five games. So, you bring in Josh Dobbs, right, thinking, you know, maybe he'll just hold us over until uh, Kirk comes back and until Jefferson comes back. Well, guess what? He did a little bit more than hold them over. Now he's got them in the driver's seat, and they're finally getting back Jefferson. I believe it might be next week. If yeah. Not, yeah. So you're getting Jefferson back. Josh Dobbs is turning into Tom Brady. I mean, this is <laughs> everything's going right in Minnesota. I mean, this team's defense, like you said, I mean, listen, if you're going to get beat by a Giants team in the playoffs, you know your defense is bad, <laughs> especially with the offense we're carrying out there every single day. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I I like this Vikings team, man, and I think they have a lot to be excited about. Um, let's just hope that they can keep it up because if history repeats itself, it's not going to look good for the Vikings. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a very exciting thing. Uh, I'm so happy for Josh Dobbs, dude. I think that is such a cool story. Um, yeah, just keep rolling. And guess what? You're getting Jefferson back. That's exactly what you need. So exactly. it's very exciting times in Minnesota. Yeah, and their upcoming schedule, pretty favorable to them in the next three games. Broncos next week, and then the Bears, the Raiders. Um, yeah, it gets a little harder from there. Uh, the last four consists of Bengals, Lions, Packers, Lions. So a bit of a touch, uh, tough divisional stretch there. But these next three... You should win at least two of them. I mean, there's a good chance you win all three of them, and you're on an eight-game heater. And people are talking about Vikings in the playoffs for sure. Vikings could win this division, depending how the Lions play in that uh, three-week stretch there. But I think you got to feel great if you're uh, a Vikings fan right now. And this sort of all started 
started snowballing with that win over the well, I mean, you, you beat the Bears to start this stretch. Okay, great. Anybody can do that. But that win over the 49ers is what I was getting to. I mean, yeah. everybody was counting you out on that Monday night game. The 49ers favored by at least a, a touchdown, I believe. And Kirk Cousins in prime time, all this. And, I mean, Cousins at the time was able to make the plays, and he was able to lead the team to that victory and really started snowballing there and – the fact that Dobbs was able to pick off, uh, pick up where Kirk Cousins left off is really, really incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, okay, let's just, uh, I, I want to put a hypothetical out there for you. So Cousins comes back, but Dobbs is absolutely, I mean, he just keeps rolling. Do you think they stick with Dobbs or do you think they go back to Cousins? Well, as you as you preface that hypothetical, totally hypothetical, because Kirk Cousins is a torn Achilles, not coming out, uh, not coming back this year. I'm I'm I'm, just, I'm I'm curious to see because if if Dobbs is playing like this, and I mean he he was playing like this in Arizona too, with almost, I mean, what did he really have? That's so, a, that's a good question. I'm I'm, Dobbs, I'm curious. I just wanted to see if uh, what you think. Dobbs brings uh different style in that he can switch it up with the run game occasionally, which is huge. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like when you have a guy like Kirk Cousins there, your franchise guy kind of, you sort of got to bring him back. Like I said, like we said, totally, totally hypothetical. But mm-hmm. if it would be the case, I think I think you got to bring Kirk back. But okay. my All opinion. Right. So, um, That's one, yeah. Curious. yeah. So that was really the th- three teams we wanted to cover here, trying to keep it around the 20-minute mark here for you uh, for the NFL half. So props to the 49ers. They took care of business against the Jaguars. Um, Lions were one of the five teams who walked it off. Ravens, you lost to the Browns. as a bump in the road. That- that's how I look at it. I mean, divisional games, anything can happen in those. Um, so I-, I don't feel bad about where the Ravens are. At mm-hmm. all, still. This game didn't change anything to me. Um, no. Yeah, I, I think that's going to do it. Unless you got anything else you want to add on here. I don't think so. Um, I'm putting my full faith into Tommy DeVito. Hopefully his... Uh, <laughs> hopefully no, his you're, tanking, you're tanking for Caleb Williams at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that... Uh, you know, I mean, next week is a huge pivotal moment in that in the Giants draft. I mean... We're playing Washington. Um, I hope we lose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Listen, as a Giants fan, I'm I'm really needing I needing something. So I'm kind of I'm all eyes for that second pick. Um, yeah. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, knowing the Giants' past, uh, though, it'll work out. They draft Michael Penix like number two overall and then his injuries history comes up again and you're stuck with Tommy DeVito again. <laughs> Daniel Jones or, is your 40 million backup. That's what I was going to say. Well, we still have the 40 million backup, so we'll be all right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, watching, listening, all that stuff. Appreciate it. And yeah, we'll see you again next week. Later. Later.